we are in an epic part of our scriptures as we are studying the book of Esther. As you just saw in this video, this story is one that is filled with incredibly high stakes and an unlikely hero who steps in and saves the day. I love stories like this, these big epic narratives. And I love that this is part of our history because what we find is that at this point in time, God's people were at a crazy amount of risk. They had been exiled generations before, and in this story, they are going up against the biggest empire that up until that point the world had ever known. The stakes are so high. And then God calls an unlikely young woman to come in and save his people. This story has been incredibly influential in the history of our faith and, and helping us understand how God saves us. And it also has even influenced the culture around us. When we think about epic stories that have influenced uh, what we watch and what we read, we can think of epics like The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter, these big epic narratives. And they follow a similar line. It's in many ways actually based on this arc of scripture that there are incredibly high stakes and then an unlikely hero comes in. Now, I like these stories because I like the unlikely hero. I like to focus on them. I like hearing their stories. But one of the more unsung individuals in all of these narratives is usually an older and wiser person who gives guidance and direction and wisdom to that hero and without whom that hero really wouldn't become the hero. They're a person who speaks truth to the hero so that they can be victorious. We can think about this in, in those narratives that have shaped culture like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings or if you're familiar with Harry Potter, Albus Dumbledore or Obi-Wan Kenobi. These are older individuals who, without whom really those heroes would not become heroes. We have that individual in the book of Esther. We have that older, wiser relative of Esther, and his name is Mordecai. Can you say that with me? Mordecai. Mordecai is an older and wiser individual without whom Esther would not have been able to persevere in the circumstances that were surrounding her. God's people had the stakes completely set against them. And Esther is the one who comes in to save the day. She had to persevere through so much hardship. And what Mordecai does is he teaches her how to persevere. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Each week of this sermon series, we are looking at a different person throughout the book of Esther and what they can teach us about our faith. Because uniquely, as Pastor Petey taught us last week, uniquely, the book of Esther never actually names God. Like we never actually get God named in this book. And yet when we look deeply, we see that through these individuals, God is at work in really powerful ways. And through Mordecai, we can learn some deep lessons about what it means to persevere in our faith. So that's what we are going to be learning about today. And what we will find is that God is faithful through the perseverance of his people in the book of Esther. There are a few different ways that we see this perseverance play out for Mordecai, a few ways that he is able to persevere in faith. One of them is that Mordecai perseveres by remembering who God created him to be. We're going to see how Mordecai also perseveres by remembering how God had been faithful to his people in the past. And then we will see how God uses Mordecai's perseverance 
to inspire Esther to save her people. The first thing Mordecai does is that he perseveres by remembering who God created him to be. In the first pages that we meet Mordecai, we learn his identity. We learn who he is, but we also learn a deep amount about the generations that came before him. If you're following along, you can join me in Esther chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. It says, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, a Benjaminite, whose ancestors had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So King Nebuchadnezzar, that name, keep that in mind because we're going to be coming back to him. What had happened was generations before we actually even meet Mordecai, there was a massive empire that came in and attacked God's people attacked them and scattered them throughout the land, tore them away from their culture, from their land, and wanted them to worship different gods. At the heart of what they wanted was for Israel to give up worshiping the God of Israel and to worship different gods. So what we initially learn is that Mordecai has persevered for generations. He is a man who is identified as a Jew. He is still following the God of Israel. He's maintained his faith in the God who created him. But we see the markings of what he has had to persevere, even in Mordecai's name. Mordecai's name comes from the word Marduk. Can you say that with me? Marduk. Marduk was the head patron god of Babylon. That empire led by King Nebuchadnezzar that had come in and had torn apart Mordecai's family and carried them away into a different land, that was their god. Marduk was the head god of the people who had attacked Mordecai's family. The culture around Mordecai had given him this name and a way to try to make him forget who his god really was. Mordecai had to maintain faith in the God of Israel and the God who created him and called him and loved him despite the entire culture and even his name, trying to make him worship, trying to make him forget who God had made him to be. That takes a deep amount of perseverance amidst so much persecution and frankly amidst so much temptation to give in to the broader culture and to give in to what they wanted from him. In Mordecai's perseverance, what we see is that Mordecai had to remember who he was. He had to remember where he came from, and which God had created him, and which God had called him. A few years ago, at the annual fundraiser for Treehouse, which is one of our CPC partners, uh, Bob Goff came and spoke. He's this really animated, gregarious speaker. He's a lot of fun to watch and listen to. His books are great. At one point in his talk, he shared that when his kids were growing up, he had a little ritual that he would do with them at bedtime. They would climb into bed, and they would process their days and talk with him about what they had learned, the pressures they experienced, the stressors they were feeling, all of that stuff that gets mapped onto us every single day. They would share that with him. And then he would take a mirror and he would hold it up to their face and say to them, God has never looked into your mirror and wished he saw someone else. He would proclaim over them that they are children of God, that they were chosen, that they're beloved, that no matter what the world had mapped onto them that day, this is who they were. Every single night, 
He reminded them of this truth. And then he said he noticed that as all of his kids were packing up for college, each one slipped their mirror into their bag to take with them to college. We have to remember who God has made us to be. In the midst of the pressures of the world around us, in the midst of everything that the world wants to map onto us, we have to remember who God has made us to be if we are ever going to persevere in our faith. This is what Mordecai did. What we learn is that perseverance happens when we remember who God made us to be. Mordecai was able to remember who God made him to be, and not only that, but he persevered by remembered how God had been faithful to Israel in the past. Mordecai's perseverance was tested in a deep way in the next chapter in Esther. So if you're following along in Esther 3, verses 1 and 2, we see a conflict arise that requires a deep amount of perseverance from Mordecai. Esther 3, 1 and 2. It says, after these things, the king promoted Haman, the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage. So the king has set this official and given him a bunch of power and this official is feeling great about himself so he tells everyone to bow down to him and most of the people do but Mordecai who is at the gate refuses to bow down now in our context we don't necessarily see this happening in like our day-to-day lives the significance of what's happening is that Mordecai is a Jewish man and we meet Haman and learn that he is an Agagite In scripture, the introduction of people usually cues us into what their meaning really is. And so when we read that they are from these different places, if we go actually back in scripture, what we find is that these two groups had spilled a lot of blood between them historically. These were deep, deep enemies. And so an ancient reader who reads this would be asking the question, they would say this is a power struggle, who's going to win? Who is going to give in? Who's going to bow down in this circumstance? And in that question is, whose God is going to win? Whose God is more powerful? Is Mordecai going to give up and give in to worshiping this other man's God? Well, Mordecai was able to persevere in the circumstance. He was able to like just choose not to bow down or pay homage. But the reason he was able to do that is because in Israel's history, this is not the first time that an individual had built an idol, told everyone to bow down to it, a group refused, and God was faithful. If we look back in Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, that king that I said we would come back to, he is the king of Babylon, this massive empire, and he has an idol crafted in the image of himself. And he tells everyone to bow down to this idol. There are three individuals who refuse to. Three people who continue to persevere and to worship the God of Israel. What we find is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three Jewish men, refuse to bow down. And in response, King Nebuchadnezzar asked to have them bound up and thrown into a fiery furnace that is heated to seven times the heat that it was supposed to be. 
And I have to spoil the story in order for us to actually move forward. <laughs> I'm sorry to do that, but in spoiling the story, what happens is that King Nebuchadnezzar sees these three individuals in the fire and he's expecting that they would die immediately, but instead they stand up. Their ropes are burned off, and there is a fourth individual that King Nebuchadnezzar sees standing in the flames. As he is standing amidst those flames, King Nebuchadnezzar can't quite tell what's going on, so he calls for them to come out of the fiery furnace. And as those four individuals, as those three individuals come out, he says, how did this happen? They proclaim that they stayed faithful to God. And this king of the largest empire that the world has ever seen proclaims, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. These three men are a testament of faith. They're a testament to perseverance, to what God can do when we stay faithful to him. If Mordecai needed any encouragement to persevere, to refuse to bow down despite the threat even of annihilation of his people, if he needed any encouragement to do that, this was the story he needed. This was the story that God would be faithful. God would be faithful even despite fire, even despite threat. He was going to come through for his people. In those moments when we are feeling fearful, in those moments when it is hardest for us to persevere and to keep moving forward, one of the most powerful things that we can do is to remember. To remember God's faithfulness in the past the ways that God has showed up for us, like in small ways, in little things, and in huge, big ways, to think about the ways that God surprised us along the way. Ann Voskamp, a Christian writer, once wrote, I wonder if all the bad brokenness in the world begins with the act of forgetting, forgetting that God is enough, forgetting what he gives is good enough, forgetting there's always more than enough and that we can live into an intimate communion. Forgetting is kin to fear. Whenever I forget, fear walks in. We are called to be a people known by our remembering. God has been faithful in your lives, in big ways, in small ways, and one of the best ways that we can find perseverance, strength to face the day is by remembering how God has showed up for us in the past. Mordecai remembers. He remembers who God made him to be. He remembers how God has been faithful, and because of that strength, he imbues that perseverance to Esther and allows her to persevere despite amazing threat and pressure. So after Haman realizes that Mordecai is refusing to bow down, Haman's response is to decree the annihilation of all the Jewish people who are living in that land. He decrees that to happen, and the king allows this to take place. So Mordecai's first line of defense is Esther. He turns to Esther and communicates to her what had happened. She was unaware of it until Mordecai told her. And after learning that all of her people are under threat. After learning this, she responds, and this is what she says in Esther 
All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. What she's saying is this doesn't need to be on me. This doesn't need to be on me at all. What she is seeing when she looks into her mirror is not a Jewish woman whose people are under threat. She's seeing a Persian queen who has a lot of power and maybe could get away with not getting involved in this circumstance. Well, Mordecai, in his faithfulness, in raising Esther and being in relationship with her, he has gained the amount of strength in his relationship to be able to speak truth to the queen to how she needs to persevere. He responds to her in Esther 4, 13 through 14. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai speaks truth to her. He holds up the mirror to her. He says, you are a beloved child of God. You are chosen. And God's going to be faithful whether you follow through or not. God will be faithful. But perhaps God has called you for such a time as this. He speaks truth to her powerfully. God empowers people to persevere, and sometimes he does that through the voices of those around us. The people who are able to hold up a mirror to you, the ones who can speak truth to you, who remind you that you're a child of God, who remind you of God's faithfulness, they are not there on accident. They are not in your life coincidentally. God has put them there on purpose to speak truth to you in a world that does not want you to hear that truth. I've had a lot of Mordecais in my life over the years. I can name a whole bunch of them, but one of them in particular comes to mind when I think about this perseverance. When I was in college, I knew that I had been called into ministry for like a while at that point. I knew that I was called into ministry, but I didn't know what that was actually going to look like. Because when I was growing up, I didn't ever actually see women on stage preaching. That wasn't something that was allowed in the church that I grew up in. And so I was kind of redirected into different kinds of ministry when I felt like I was, when I knew that I was called into ministry. So one afternoon, I met with a pastor who was planting a church in Anderson, Indiana, and it was this like grassrootsy church that was held in an abandoned elementary school in the middle of Anderson. And he told me that he was starting up a sermon collaboration group, and he wanted me to be a part of it, and to maybe even craft sermons and preach and do this kind of stuff. When he first introduced that idea to me, I pushed back against it, and I got really kind of anxious about the idea of me doing that because I had just never seen it done before. I'd never seen anyone do that. And so I was unsure about what that could actually look like for me. And so he said, look, this is about you and God. You need to determine whether this is part of your calling, but I would love to invite you into this if this is something that you want to step into. What he did is he held up a mirror to me. He showed me a different view of myself than I was able to see before because the world had mapped on different things to how I understood what women could do in ministry. There was a whole lot that had been mapped on there, and what he did is he said, look clearly. 
Look clearly, there is more that God may be calling you to. And so in doing that, in holding that mirror up to me, it took me a little while to figure things out and it took some time for me to slowly start attending these sermon groups, slowly begin preaching and finding my voice in all of this and navigating waters that I just hadn't navigated before. But I wouldn't be up here today had he not sat down and called out truth in me, had he not been willing to speak up and hold that mirror up to me and say, perhaps there's more going on here. We need Mordecai's in our lives. We need truth speakers in our lives. We need people who will tell us that we are called, that we are beloved, that we are chosen, and that perhaps God has a plan for us. This is how we persevere in our faith. This is how we are able to see God's faithfulness. And I know that that story is kind of unique because it's a ministry-related story and all of that. But every single one of us in here Every person in this room, if you are called by God, if you are following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work in you, and the Holy Spirit is calling you to live out what God has for you. We need to be able to persevere. We need to stay centered as children of God. We need to remember God's faithfulness. And we need those Mordecais who can speak truth to us when we need to hear it the most. Out in the great room, we have an ongoing art project that we're developing over the course of the sermon series around our center table. um, We are writing out, answering a question every week. And the question over the next song that I would love to have you reflect on is, who has God placed in your life to help you persevere? Who has God placed in your life to help you persevere? Who's the Mordecai in your life? Who's the one who can hold that mirror up to you, who can proclaim truth over you, who helps you see yourself clearly as God sees you, not as the world sees you? Because it can be easy for us to see ourselves as the sum of our professions or as our greatest moments or our worst moments. It can be easy for us to see us just as the way that we are in our family, the position we hold, or even as like a bank account number. We can see all of these things when we look in the mirror, but God has called us to more. We need Mordecai's to do that. So over the next song, take some time to reflect on who that is for you. I want to invite the band up now. Will you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for placing these people in our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who steps in and saves his people. God, I pray that over the course of today and the coming weeks, that you would continue to offer us perseverance, not by our own strength, not by relying on ourselves, but relying on you, knowing, Lord, that you are the one who has created us and called us by name. God, help us to rest in this truth today, following after you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.